So we've been talking a, a lot about the greatness of having an Ein Tov and the major negative aspects of either Tsarain or Ein Ra. We haven't really discussed what is at the root of why is it that some per, one person has this and one person has that? What fundamentally um, is the difference between these people, right? And of course, that will help us as well to work ourselves on that, right? Um, and then um, I think it ties in very strongly into this very difficult period of time that we're in. The, nine days so take a look so, so the Gemara Sanhedrin says that Megillus Eichel which is right on Tisha of course um, although it's alphabetical in order but if you'll, you'll notice that after the first chapter which is strictly alphabetical um, to show us that it should be alphabetical afterwards the second, uh, third, and fourth prokim, which are all alphabetical as well, but in all those, the order of the ayin and the pay is switched around. It should be ayin and then pay. Ayin is, uh, comes before pay in the alphabet, right? But in all three of those paragraphs, second, third, and fourth paragraph, uh, prokim chapters, um, it actually goes pay and then ayin. And says the Gemara, why is that? That the language language of the Gemara is mipnei shamaraglim shehigdimu. It's not exactly the Russian, but Rashi explains as being shehigdimu pelaim. The the I think language of the Gemara is something like they spoke about what they didn't see. Rashi explains it means they first put the pe before the ayin. Okay, they, so they preceded the pay to the ayin, what, what that means, their mouth to the eye, and therefore, uh, to show that, to show us that really at the root of Golos of Klausel from Eretz Yisrael is the hate of the Moraglim, and the hate of the Moraglim is rooted in putting the pay before the ayin. So, um, what does it mean that they put the pay before the eye? Every Mephorish does it in their own way, but they just understand what's the basic structure. The basic structure is they were going into Eretz Yisrael, right? And Yeshua, Kolev, they were coming to Eretz Yisrael. And they are coming with understanding that Hashem promised us this land, right? We're going to get this land. And we're going in, like Moshe instructed them, go in, check out where are the fortified cities, where are the non-fortified cities, which parts are easier to conquer, which ones are really more difficult to conquer. How are we going about this? What are we doing, right? And also, see how great the land is that I'm giving you. Right? Now, instead of coming in with that attitude, they came in with the attitude of, oh man, this is going to be really bad. Right? Again, many of them before should talk about why that is, right? But that was that that was an attitude that they had, and therefore everything they saw afterwards 
was biased by this. Right? Everything they saw, uh, Rashi brings examples that they, as they were going through the land, so in order that the Knanim shouldn't be able to identify the Muraglim, so Hashem made it, there was a plague and there were, there were people dying. There were, there were Canaanites dying, they were busy burying people, they weren't, there was a little bit of a chaos, they weren't monitoring the visas so much, they weren't uh, keeping track of the roads, right? So, instead of seeing, wow, look at this, unbelievable siyata deshmaya, we come in and already we're, we're, Hashem is sending us success, right? Instead, what, what do they see? Oh, look, this land is killing everybody, this is a poisonous land, it's a terrible land, right? Then, you know, they see these unbelievable huge fruit, right? And, and you know, instead of being excited about it, they, oh, it means that the people who live here are so strong. Instead of thinking, wow, we're going to become so strong as a result of living in this land, right? It's going to be so healthy for us here. It's going to be so good for us here. Instead of thinking, oh, man, this land makes its people really strong. How are you supposed to conquer these, you know, these people that live here? Right? So the point is that everything that they saw afterwards was biased by their original preconceived notion of this is going to be bad. Okay? That's what it means, Shigdimu Pelain. I mean, they'd already spoken Lashon Hara, so to speak, prior to seeing anything. They'd already determined this land is going to be bad for them. And afterwards, when they saw this, the eyes confirmed what the mouth had already said. Instead of it working the other way around. Right? That it should be first ayin and then the pay. Right? So simply, you would say, what does it mean that the ayin should be first before the pay? We would say, listen, you should be unbiased. Un- you know, don't, 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 don't be biased over here, right? Come in with open eyes, take a look. But the truth is, people are never non-biased. We always have a bias. We always come in with a preconceived notion, right? The question is, like, like in Gemara, right? We're always learning, everyone comes in with Hanachas, right? There's, there's underlying premises in everything. So, so what's the Machlaikis between Kali and Yeshua... Uh, what's the machlek is in Kalev and Yeshua who came in and they saw properly they saw Israel well and the Meraglim who had an Ayn Hara a Tsar Ayn for the land they saw everything in a negative light is that something that uh, precipitated that, whole, that situation itself meaning they had an Ayn Hara in general with Hashem's involvement in their lives um Perhaps, but let's just let's just say what we know. What we know is towards the Israel in this in this incident. So that's what I'm just trying to clarify, like why maybe like a specific situation that created that. So, so, so we're going to talk about that. Okay. But but first of all, we we know that because the Gemara Sanhedrin says mm-hmm. that in the Megillus Eicha, although it's alphabetical, the Ayn and the Pay should be Ayn Pay. Mm-hmm. They're switched. Mm-hmm. It should be first the eye and then the mouth. And they switched it, they had first the mouth and then the eye. And that's the fundamental difference between the Moraglim who came in with a bias and saw everything negatively, and Yeshua and Kalev who came in and saw the land as being wonderful and beautiful. Okay, so, so this is what I want to talk about. And it's Mamash, you sold, an unbelievable you sold. You have to remember, a person is a composite of physical and spiritual. Right? 
And the question is, who's driving the show? To a certain extent, the I, the morale in Netzach Yisrael and Perak says that the I represents a Bukhina of Chochmah. It represents wisdom. Um, you know, like the, uh, the mind's eye. Right? Uh, it's, it's not, it's not uh, um, something that is, can be grabbed, perceived, felt. The mouth is the lowest part, it's the Bukhina of Das. When already the we went from Chokhmah, from abstract knowledge, right, down, it's been processed, and now it's finally being expressed into the world. It's the lowest part of our mind. So it's the highest part of our mind, Chokhmah, lowest part of our mind, Das, that's the Ein and the Pei. Okay? So the question is, who's driving the show? Is it coming from down, from the Pei, from the kind of, you know, the visceral uh, things, the, the, the intuitive, the, the animalistic the physical perspective, and then that is what is framing and therefore defining my wisdom, or is that my wisdom is framing and defining my experiential relationship to things. So on a very, very simple level, if we're physical animals, then the eye judges things externally. That's by definition what happens. You look at someone, you see all the flaws, and that's all you see. Let me ask you a question. Do you see anybody's neshama? Did you ever see anybody's neshama? No. Did you ever see anybody's goodwill? They intended, they wanted to do something nice. They, they wished, they could have done something. It didn't work out, but that's what they were trying to do. No. What do we see? We see the physical. We see the actions. We see the concrete. Right? That's a tzara'ayin... If, if you if, if if you're coming from the from the from the physical, then it's going to then it's going to generate a tsarayin, and then everything we're going to judge people uh, disfavorably, and we're going to look at Eretz Yisrael. We're going to say, what is this, this and that, and they have all sorts of claims on it. The other way is if you come from a spiritual perspective. Spirituality starts in the abstract. Spirituality st- starts with. Like we said, the eye, the, the higher eye, representing wisdom, which is what the morale says, is I say, number one, I know everyone has a neshama. Everyone's made in Salamalukim. I know there's a neshama inside here. So then, once I start the conversation with you, once I start the interaction with you, once I look at you from that perspective, that I know there's a neshama inside. I know there's a good, I know this person would like to be good. I know this person can be good. Right? I know this person wants wants good. All these types of wonderful things, right? The, and I judge all of a person's actions within that framework. Then I'm gonna have. Then I'm gonna see deeply into his actions. I'm gonna interpret things in a different way, and I'm gonna see the good of it. So, to a certain extent, you know the optimist, the pessimist, right? Seeing the glass half empty, seeing glass half full. That's not the point of it. The point of it is, are you a spiritual person or are you a physical person? If you're a spiritual person, then you see, then you know intellectually, abstractly, that there's depth, meaning, and value to things. And then when you see these things, when you interact, as simple as eating 
the food on Shabbos Kodesh. When you come in with the understanding that the, you know the, what, what this means, it's a day of rest. It's it's a, it's a matana. It's a gift from Hashem, and it's and it's and it's and it's a, a rest for me, and it's an opportunity, and all these things. And then you eat that food. The food is incredibly delicious. That's what Rabbi Akiva said to, to that. Uh, I think it was Turbu Sufus, right? Who's mocking fun at him? He said to him, mm, "What's that delicious smell? I smell coming from your from your kitchen on Shabbos morning." Okay, I smell was coming from Rabbi Akiva's he smell. He wanted the recipe. Yeah, he wanted the recipe for what? No, no, no. He was mocking him. There's no good smell. You know why? Because we don't burn fires on Shabbos. You know what we would eat on Shabbos morning? You would heat up your cholent, right, beforehand, right? And then you would wrap it in blankets. On the Friday night, you would heat up your cholent. Then you would wrap it in blankets. And guess, you know, it would be like nice and lukewarm by Shabbos morning. Yeah, they didn't have um, they didn't have like uh, crock pots and warming trays and uh, you know all the, all these things that we have nowadays. But by the way, with the with the warming trays and everything, right? Every Friday, like if I, I'm around Friday, I'm usually washing the floor and things. And my wife like bakes something. She's like, come and like come check this out, right? And I'm like. Wow, you know, like when it just comes right out of the oven or like off of the thing, and like you can smell it and everything. Yeah, right. And then she wraps it in little foil and puts it in the fridge, and then Shabbos morning she takes it out and rewarms it, and you know the the deli rolls all soggy on top, and like it's, it's, yeah, listen, it's not, it's not the same, right? It's, it's not the same. It's not the same. But so that's what Tuzuros was saying to Rabbi Akiva. Mm, what's that unbelievable you know, at a Roman party you know what they would do they'd be roasting a pig on the spit while the guests are sitting around eating right <laughs> like you can smell you can, the fat is dripping right and in the meantime the Jews over there are eating one day old like warm um, you know chont right that's how the moral explains that right so he said to him mm, what's that delicious smell he smells so he said to him it's a special it's a special spice that we have that uh, that no one else has. Really? What is that? Right? It is, it's Shabbos. It's the penis. It's the internality. You will never taste this. Because you, all you have is a tzarayim. All you see is the externality of things. His wife. His wife. What? What? What did you say about his wife? Two his wife converted. Oh, all right. That's the one who married him. Married Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva, right. That's one of the ways Rabbi Akiva became rich. That's one of the ways he died. Wow. What? That's also the way he died. He, wasn't, wasn't he that person I, that took him also? I want to keep sniffing that. I remember looking into it, um, but it was I think it might have been two different, two different people or something. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or somebody else killed him, whatever. Right. Okay, one second. Let's come back to Eintel. <laughs> so, so my, the point is, the point is that there is a deep way to live life, deep way, introspective way, where you see deeply into things that happens from being a spiritual person. 
and there's an external, superficial way of looking at things, which is tsarayim, which happens for being a physical person. And we all have both of them to us. We have the physical and the spiritual to us. And both need to be involved. The question is, who's first? Who sets the... Uh, the stage, who sets the framework. So, if the pay, the pay, the lower part, the one that actually speaks, comes before the I'm, before the wisdom, so then, this, then, then the lower part of us defines the higher part of us, like we see with the Moraglum. They already, you know, had spoken disparagingly of, what, of, of, of it, right? And then when they came into Israel, everything they saw confirmed what they said. And the other way around is Kalev and Yeshua, who started off with the wisdom. Hashem loves us. Hashem is all powerful. He took us out of Mitzrayim. He's going to give us unbelievable land. And then when they came into uh, into Israel, everything they saw confirmed that. That that's the fundamental difference. It's like it's like it's like a mirage for for like what you see, like what your thought is. Essentially, like if you if you think something, it's going to happen. Essentially, yeah, but we're talking about not about what's going to happen. We're talking about interpreting the reality in front of me. So interpreting the reality that's in front of me, I can see just the external facade, right, right, or I can see deep into it. If I see the external facade, it's going to look very bleak always. I mean, what is there already, right? Like like the Sefer Kahala says, right? Physicality. What I mean. What is it, right? The years are fleeting. I mean, how much pleasure can a person have? And it's all, you know, everything is lacking. But if you see the internality of it, then you see the beauty of it. And, and the most important thing is when we interact with other people. Interacting with other people, right? You, the way to appreciate other people, the way to mean well for other people, the way to love other people is to be a spiritual person. Is to be a person who starts off with the premise... This person has, a, has an ashama. This person has a cell milkim. What I'm seeing is, is, is an expression of that. That's, that's the uh, root of the person that has Ayn Tov or Ayn Ra. Hundred uh, percent. You can you can understand the externality of the situation in all of its detail. For example, you can be extremely cunning and aware of everything, everything, everything. As long as step number one is you know there's an ashama. This person has an ashama. This person can be a big tzaddik. This person is someone who's you know very valuable to classroom. And then now, on top of that, you put the fact that he's, you know, been missing Seder and he's been sleeping late and he's even been dishonest and whatever. No problem. I love that man. What? What? Point finger at someone and say, do what? What are you saying? Blame? 
He's, he's, he's sure. Is, Again, is, is anyone there, ever culpable? Of, of course, of course. But it's step number one. The person has a neshama. He's a very valuable entity who is currently underperforming. Is that the entirety of the person? He's currently underperforming. Live up to their what about, real, what about real Russia? He's terribly underperforming. What about? What's interesting, Yirmiyahu, in the first two chapters of Eka and the spies, right? He's writing terrible things about Jerusalem and about Israel before they happen. Right? They come back with a bad, a bad thing, right? Why do we consider him, his words to be holy? And their words to be less important. He's saying a prophecy that Hashem is saying, as a result of all of the various that you've done, here's what's going to happen. He's, saying a, he's delivering a prophecy. Were they kind of prophesizing what would happen to people if they went to this land? Not at all. They weren't prophesizing. It was a complete shekher. It was completely not. They, they were just. Giants of people. They, they were giants. And, that's true. But they weren't prophesizing they were going to lose. That wasn't the prophecy. That was their own extrapolation. So they're, they're almost better. They were, they were saying things that they saw. Where you hear me? I was only saying things that he thinks are going to happen if you don't. If you don't. Right? The king, the king burns Aka when he, when he reads it, right? Because the king is a Russian. Maybe he didn't. Maybe he didn't believe that that it was going to. Your meow was an established prophet. He had proven himself to be a prophet. Torah says if a person is a prophet, you have to believe him, right? Moshe Rabbeinu says Hashem will establish after me prophets. He says terrible things about. So he's, but the terrible things are a result of of, of our own averus. Um, so again, so, so the point is, you could have a Russia like like you know Bruce is bringing up some you know the the. The king, so he's a Russian. So step number one, you understand, this person could have been something really great. He has tremendous neshama inside. Currently, he's in a state of having, you know, ruined it terribly. I'll tell you, I'll tell you more than that. I'll tell you an extreme thing, and this is this is uh, it's, it's, it's shocking. But the Mishnah in the tenth paragraph of Sanhedrin, uh, which is. Starts with Kol Yisrael Yishlam Chelik Lo Mabor, then continues Chutz Me with the exception of this one, this one, this one, this one, this one, right? A bunch of people who do not have a Chelik Lo Mabor. Now later on, the Gemara brings in a Baraisa where the Dorshi Rishimus, that's their name, certain Tanoim, they were referred to as the Dorshi Rishimos, those that expound the imprints. Say, no, every Jewish person will have a chalik in all of them. Even after? Yes. Every single Jewish person. But he said he knew that he wouldn't have a chalik. That's true. So first of all, what are these Dorshe Rishimus? So it means you can have, a, a, a Roshim means an imprint, means if I write something on a piece of paper, I write it with ink. What if I don't write it? I just press my finger into something. Into the paper a little bit, right? I just make, make a little indent, a little, a little imprint, right? Or, or you know, I write on one page and then, you know, the page underneath it, it has some imprint on it, right? Means these people had had such an iron toe that they weren't expounding the verses, the actual what's written in the Torah. They're expounding the the fine imprints that are that are left over from things that are not even written in the Torah. 
The traces, the, the expounders of traces. Okay, and, and what they're saying is with their eye and tov, they were able to identify hints in the Torah that from people who are truly descendants of, of Yaakov Avinu, not a single one of them will be lost in the end game. Now, it's going to go through a whole, you know, very, 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 uh, things that are a lot worse than Gehenna and things, and, you know, the, the portions they have in the next world is nothing compared to the portion everybody else has. But on some level, even the worst Russia, you know, Yerovam, um, Benavat, and, and others, there's something good to be found. Even, even, even the uh, even the apostles. What? Even the apostles and, and Yashka and all them, because they were also Jews. Assuming that they're Jewish, the, the only exception is that there are some people whose neshama comes from what's called the heir of Rav, from the mixed multitude that came out of Mitzrayim with Moshe Rabbeinu. So those people, uh, no. Okay. But 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 true but true descendants but true descendants of of, of Yaakov and yes. But my point is, my point is that. What a person is a question of are you looking at it deeply or superficially? Now you can look at it deeply and still acknowledge all the everything superficial the person did, right? A perfect example would be a father judging his son. He's a judge, but, but, but he's brought to him a fa- his son. So he's going to judge the case. He's not going to, he's, he's an honest person, he's going to judge the case. But but he knows he knows everything good about him also. He knows all the potential he has. He also knows everything he did. But that's very different than 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 than, than, than the judge who has no, no, knows nothing about him, cares nothing about him, and is judging him ex, 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 only on his behavior. Yeah. So the one is a tsar ayin and one is an ayin tov, and that's how we relate with one another constantly. This guy bumped into me. This guy he didn't say please. He he insulted my wife. Right. This and then that's one way to look at it. The other way to look at it is with all the depth, with all the appreciation, and with the all the understanding, not dismissing some of these. External thing. <coughs> yes, that's that's the point. Where is the starting point? Is the starting point in the ayin or in the pay? I don't want to go. Is it, if it's the same thing, the talk about it. Okay. Now I'm right. Approve it. Okay. We're supposed to hate. We're supposed to. I hate this Russia more than yeah. any other with Russia. Yes. It sounds like it's clearly antithetical, and there's no place no. for that whatsoever. No, because it, because as we've spoken about many times. Uh, recently, in the last few weeks, right? That what is the definition of sinas chinam? Purposeless hatred. Right. And what is whereas David Amalek says tachlis sinas anesim? Purposeful hatred. I hate them. So you hate them. Purposeful hatred. This hatred is good. It's good for other people. It's also good for them. I hate them, or I hate, I hate things around their. I hate. I hate what they've become. I hate what they've done to their neshama. This is it. I say, I say I, What's the target here? Okay. Target. Most of what's there is the target because the, so much of it is corrupted. 
almost everything is the target, but there's something deep, deep, deep down the side, which I don't hate. I hate everything else beyond that. All that... All that... Yeah, it's him, unfortunately. It's become him. Okay, so that is... That's that's what I wanted to discuss about the root of it. Now I want to talk about how... Now I want to talk about uh, how we see this play out, actually, in uh, one of the worst tragedies to ever happen to Klausel. One of the five worst tragedies that happened to Klausel and Tushabov which is the destruction of Turmalka. Turmalka literally translates as Beter is something else. Turmalka. Turmalka means the mountain of the king. Is literally what it means. Tur means in Aramaic means mountain. Malka, king. So, the, uh, so, the, so the Gemara in Gitten says that uh, hey, what was it called again? Tour Malka? Tour Malka, yeah. Not Mela? It's Aramaic. Uh-huh. Malka with an Aleph. Uh-huh. Gotcha. Which means king. As opposed to Malka with a Hey, which is Hebrew, which means queen. Yeah. Okay, but Tour being Aramaic, so that, that's the giveaway. Right. Okay. Uh, so, so the so the Gemara says that. Uh, Turmalka was destroyed because of Tarnagolva Tarnagolsa, because of a the ro- uh, rooster and a hen. The story it says that uh, there was the uh, <coughs> the daughter of Caesar was riding in a carriage with her entourage, and uh, sorry, no, I apologize. That's, that's a different story. That. Uh, the Roman soldiers were, you know, the Roman, um, what's it called? Um, when they're stationed in a Britain, like a century. Legion. What? No, the Legion. Um, yeah, like an outpost, but it's a century. A century? Okay, fine. So anyway, a group of Roman soldiers that got hungry one day, they saw they saw some um, some Jewish people with... With the chicken and, and a rooster. Now, the chicken and roosters were a sign of fertility for for the Jewish people in Turmalka. They were very much into into fertility. So, uh, so they, they, it was uh, at a wedding. They would have the rooster and the hen uh, together to represent how fertile this couple will be. Right? And uh, these Roman soldiers, they saw all oh, perfect. A rooster and a hen uh, came over there, grabbed them. And, Checked them, you know, took took the chicken and the, and the rooster for themselves to eat, and apparently the people uh, flipped out and jumped on them and uh, and uh, and uh, killed them. So, um, so the so the, so the Gemara tells a story. So then the Romans said, okay, so we got to send. So they sent, they sent a legion to um, with a general to punish the Jews, to pun- to punish the Jews for what they had done, uh, which meant you know mass murder, obviously. So it says that there was that amongst the, the, the Jews there was Hahu Bardaroma. There was this um, this person, this resident of the south, this person from the south, that he would jump a mile's worth, he would uh, a mile long jump 
and kill the Romans and then jump away. So, you know, the Romans couldn't... Uh, obviously, you can't fight against someone who can jump a mile, right? He just jumps in, kills them, and then jumps back out. Can you imagine such a thing? You would have won Olympic gold. Yeah, gold. You can say that. Right, again. I mean, it, I think it talks about uh, in Gemara someone who can, who, as a person who can hear like miles away. Yeah, but that's not as deadly to hear miles away. That's still, that's still superhuman. That's still crazy to hear. Uh-huh. <laughs> right, it's crazy. He jumps like a ninja. Back out. A ninja. Right, something like that. So, uh, so the the Caesar that was with this army took his crown off of his head and put it on the ground and said, Reboyne de Alma! Master of the world! Alma Kuleid, of the whole world! Inichalach, if, if it rests well with you, Lotim sorry lahahu gavra lejidei ulemalchusei biyade dechad gavra. Please! Don't turn over me, my whole kingdom, my, my whole army, to this one man. So, um, says the Gemara, actually, Pume le Bardaroma. Bardaroma's mouth tripped him up. Ve'amar, and he said the following, Halo atay elokim, Zanachtanu, are you not the God who abandoned us? Elokim uh, So let God not go out uh, in our in our legions. The Bardaroma, this this uh, long distance jumper, uh, declared this statement. Now, uh, the truth is, it's a pasuk in Tehillim. He said a pasuk in Tehillim. That's what he did. He was reading Tehillim. Right? Before you go to war, you read some Tehillim, right? And he read this this capital that said, Are you not Hashem who has abandoned us? Don't go out to war in with our legions. Yeah. Well, so the Gemara says, but David Nami David also said this. It, it, it's a pasuk in Tehillim. Says the Gemara, David matma. No, David was saying it in a bewilderment. It was a rhetorical. Are you are you are you not going to go out to war with our legions? Right. But this person, he said it as a statement. Don't go, out to, don't go out to war with the legions. Oh, so he meant to say it the right way with David, but he messed it up. Is that, what, is that what you're trying to say? Well, the Gemara says his mouth tripped him up. So, again, he said the right words. He did say those words. He said, he read the, the same words in, in, in the Tehillim. He didn't mispronounce anything. Okay. But David meant it rhetorically, and this Bardaroma... Uh, Seemingly, the Gemara knows that he meant it in its straightforward meaning. Yeah. So, Alebei Hakise, he went into the bathroom. Atadarkona came along a serpent. 
and what's the thing called when uh, and, and gutted him like yeah, yeah. Cut, cut his uh, cut his uh, kishkas open tore his kishkas open yeah, what? Eversary? Okay, that's not bad. Oh. When you play a fish, you, uh, you're, you're a brave man. You're arguing with... <laughs> yeah. Okay, fine. So, um, uh, so, v'nach nafshe, and he died. So, so Caesar said, since... A miracle happened to me since God heard my prayers. Basically, and the miracle happened to me, so I'm gonna I'm gonna let the Jews off the hook this time. And he turned around with his army and started heading back. Um, so when the Jews of Tuamalka found out about this, so they started partying and celebrating, shooting off fireworks. And Caesar heard this, and he was like, "Wait a second! These guys are not taking it like as like they they think that they uh, you know that I'm like running away. Like they're not afraid. They're they're not taking this as a uh, as a warning. They're like celebrating." So he turned his army back around, and he invaded Turmalka, and um, he he was the. I'll read you the words. Um, there were 300,000 soldiers, Roman soldiers, that came in wielding swords into Turmalka. 300,000 soldiers. Vekatlu Tulsa Yome. Vitalsa Lelos. And they were murdering for three days and three nights. And Tuamaka was so big and so disconnected, and they were partying so hard that on the other side of the mountain they weren't even aware that anything was happening and they were still celebrating. Obviously, then he went over to the other side of the mountain. Okay, that's, that's the story in the Bavli. Now, a couple of interesting things. Number one, um, historians are completely perplexed what this place Turmalka was. There's a description. The Gemara describes the destruction of Yerushalayim, the destruction of Betar, and the destruction of Turmalka. Now, the destruction of Yerushalayim, we know that was called the first rebellion, the first Jewish rebellion. Okay? The destruction of Betar. Betar was the capital of, who knows? Barkok, huh? right? That was that would be uh, that that was the last Jewish rebellion. That's it. Those were the two rebellions that we had against the Romans in Eretz Okay. Uh, so what was what exactly was this Turmalka? Who was this Bar the Roma? This man from the south? This, this long jumper, right? And how was he managing to um, to to do what he was doing? So the Marshal says the following. 
Marshal's bother, it says that they, they were eating and drinking and celebrating, that's why the Caesar came back. So Marshal explains, They should have been praising Hashem. If Caesar would have heard them saying, Hey God! Thank God! Right? Would the Caesar have been upset? Why? Because you'd understand that. Well, first of all, because you'd understand, they were really scared of me. Right? And they're really grateful to their God for saving them. Right? But instead... Well, also because he's grateful to and God yeah, himself. That's right. For saving right? him. They went up me. Yeah. Um, so, but, but since they were eating and drinking and being physical, instead of turning to spirituality, they were partying, right? So... But I don't understand. I thought we said there was a wedding going on. And that was the whole point. Wedding? That no, no. That was in the very beginning. That was oh, like okay. uh, before the war ever started. I got you. No, that, um, so and so the, rather, what did they say? Oh, the king can't defeat us because 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 of our strength, right? Um, the, and so that's why Caesar said, "Oh, they're they're poking fun at me. They're they 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 uh, they think I can't get them, right? So I'll show them." So the point is we're seeing physicality versus spirituality. Where are you turning? Right? What's your agenda? What, what something good happens to you? How do you see it? Oh, look! I had a good plan. We, 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 we did good. Or do you attribute it to Hashem? Yeah, that's what the Marshal points out. Now, um, now don't, again, so the Gemara there said that, that this Bardaroma, his mouth tripped him up, which we said... Stands for physicality, by the way, right? So his mouth tripped him up, and he said the post, like we said, but David said it also. He said, no, David said it in a good way. I mean, David said it in a deep way. David is a person, what does he mean rhetorical? When I say something rhetorical to you, what does it mean? How do you, How would you explain someone what, what rhetorical means? Don't take it, don't take it serious. Like it's not yeah, but why not? <laughs> why not? If I'm saying it, am I not saying it? So what does rhetorical mean? I'm saying the words. But speak it out, it means inside, you and I both know that it's totally not like this. What's, what does rhetorical mean? It means, right? right? Are you not Bruce Leon? Right? It means, I know for a fact you are. Right? So that's what rhetorical means. So David the Melech was a person who was so strong in his pneumius. By David, his ayin preceded his path. Right, his amuna in Hashem preceded his words. So what his words are, are you the God that abandoned us? You won't go, to war, you won't go out to war with us. When he says this, it's rhetorical. You won't go out to war with us? Because he knows, of course, Hashem will. Right? But if it's the path before the ayin, then you take the same exact thing. Right? How Bardaroma, he was reading to him, he says, See, I'm like King David. So I don't understand. So why say it in the first place? And I'm not, I'm so confused. Why should why, who say it in the first place? Why should David say it in the first place? It was, it was not, it was meant before, but it was not right be taken seriously. David is saying, are you not, you Hashem, you're, well, he just says rhetorical. It's like, what, what, what's the rhetorical means, are you not going to go out to war with us? But he, of course he is. So why does he right? say it? 
it's a way to why, why is he speaking to Hashem? He, he's speaking to Hashem to arouse Hashem's mercy to to help the Jewish people. I find it weird that he like he would say something like that, and it's not meant to take be taken seriously. It's meant to be taken dead seriously. It's just meant to be to, it's just meant to be with a question mark at the end, question mark exclamation mark. Which means I know it's really not like that. I know you won't abandon us. I know you won't go out to war. You won't n- neglect to go out to war with us, right? So we're showing the difference between Primius and and and, and, and Okay. So now. Um, says the Marshal Bikilameda. One can learn this a little bit carefully. Deha Loshan Khada Amru Umehekan Mishta Tfei Bidovid David and this person said the same exact words. So wake you where Khazal inferring where they being the diet, the Bardaroma said it in a negative way, David said it in a positive way. How do we know what the kavana of David was, and how do we know what the kavana of this person? Says the Marsha Yeshli Yashi. The David Loka Amar High Kroa Bilchudei. He was saying it in the context of, of a whole bunch of other things, and in the context of it, in the context, this this, this thing itself, which by itself seems like Hashem abandoned us, but those like I know Hashem, you love us forever. You created a whole world for us. You're not going to go out to war with us? So of course it means it's within context. But this, how, by the way, he said just this one pasuk, says the marshal. That's all he said, just this one pasuk. It's without the context. It's without the depth. So then you're just seeing the superficiality. So Hashem is not with us. You hear? Okay, a tweet. Yeah. Um, okay, now the Gillian Ashas... He purposely chose that. Yeah. He read this one to He said, "Oh, I like that pasuk. That's my that's my logo." You know why? Because I can jump a, an entire mill, and I can kill Romans all day long, and they can't get to me. So Hashem, thank you so much. You've abandoned us so far. Don't get involved. We'll take care of this. But he thought David was saying the same thing because he wasn't taking in the context. He he was saying, "I'm a king." I'm the king of the Jewish people. And David was the king. And I'm like him. And look, David said it without reading the context around it. Okay? But the Gilead Shas says, and he sends this to, sorry, Gilead Shas, not the Gilead Shas that Rabbi Kivega, the Gilead Shas. I, um, I want to say it's a Rishai pick. I want to double, uh, double check that. He sends us to look at the Yerushalmi. Yerushalmi in Tainus. Reverse of angle, thank you. Be careful what you say in this basement. <laughs> Parish is always listening. Did you hear that? Did you say that? Okay. So, said. That was impressive. That he could hear that? One, like, he's there. like the guy that can hear. What you say? I can hear. <laughs> all right, so, come on, right. all right. Okay, that's right. There's <laughs> maybe that that sentence. <laughs> that's right. Okay. So says the Yerushalmi in Masechet Tainus, Perik Dalit Mishnah Hey. It says 
that when Bar Kokhba was fighting against the Romans, so first of all, we know that Bar Kokhba used to use a very interesting war strategy. Do you know how Bar Kokhba fought against the Romans? Anybody? I know he lost. Well, he, ultimately, but he, right. he had initially he had he tremendous success. He initially had tremendous success. So much so, he, he initially he, were, he chased them all out. And he became king. And we have coins to this day. We have coins. Rabbi Akiva of the, thought he was the Messiah. Not just Rabbi Akiva. The Ram said it was Rabbi Akiva. Verov Chochme Ador. And that means it wasn't a mistake. That's right. The to say the Rabbi Akiva, Verov Chochme Ador, were mistaken. It means he could have been Mashiach. And he almost was. He chased the Romans out. Right? And he, he chased the Romans out. No Romans in there to sell. He chased them all out. He established a kingdom. He coined his own coins. He established a proper kingdom for like, I have to look it up exactly, a year, two years, something like this. Right? Until the Romans came back. And when they came back, they came back like, with, I think initially it was like three legions, they came back with like eight legions or something. A legion is like, you know, usually you know, to suppress like an entire Germanic nation, send one like one legion. This was like literally seventy percent of their worldwide power they brought against Barkov. Yeah? But how did he succeed in the first place? Anybody know? Guerrilla warfare. Yes. Very good. What? Raids, right? They would have caves hidden throughout the entire land, right? And they would raid the Romans before the Roman army even had a chance to regroup. They'd be gone already. Okay. So, says the Yerushalmi. By the way, is it ringing bells with anybody? We're just pointing out that Bar Kokhba, yeah. the way that he defeated the Romans the first time when he chased them out, right. is is by guerrilla warfare, by doing raids, right. flash raids, you know, burst out of a cave, four hundred men, you know, wipe out like the back part of the of the Romans, and, and then they disappear. And this is happening like daily. Right? And literally, they destroyed two and a half legions. Afghanistan against Russia. Okay, but I think we're going to find something better than that. Okay? So, says the Yerushalmi, when, when Bar Kokhba would go out to war, have a Amr, he would say the following, Master of the world, don't help and, and, and don't harm like the Pesach says in Tehillim he would quote the Pesach in Tehillim don't Three and a half years, uh, he he fought war against Adrianus, and Adrianus was trying to encircle Beta, and he couldn't and he couldn't succeed. Adrianus is the Roman Caesar. Have a, uh, uh, 
who was Bar Kokhba's greatest supporter was his uncle, Rabbi Allazar Hamadoy, the great Tana, Rabbi Allazar Hamadoy. So, Adrianus was ready to throw in the towel and leave. And a, uh, a Kushi said to him, wait a second, I can hand the entire thing over to you. I can give you the entire war. Okay, go ahead. So this Kushi snuck into Betar and he walked over to Rabbi Lazar Hamadoy while, while Rabbi Lazar Hamadoy was davening and he leaned over and pretended to whisper in his ear. He really wasn't saying anything, but he was moving his lips as if he's whispering. People saw him, dragged him to Bar Kokhba, this Kushi, and he said, where are, you, where, you know, where are you coming from? He said, I can't say. He says, what are you doing here? I can't say. What, what did you say to my uncle, Rabbi Lazar Amadoi? I can't say. So Barakova said to him, I'm going to tear you apart into little pieces if you don't tell me. Said, so the Kushi said, listen, if I tell you, if I, if I don't tell you, you'll kill me. If I do tell you, so maybe the Caesar will kill me. So if you tell me you're not going to kill me, I'll tell you everything. So he said to him, okay, tell. What do you think he said? What? He said, I conspired with, with Rabbi Lazar Amadoi against you to bring you down. It's, he's, he's speaking with the Romans. I am uh, conveying the messages. That's right. So, Barkoch was furious. So he summoned the great town of Lazar Amadoi and said to him, what did the Kushi say to you? He said, what Kushi? I didn't speak to anybody. Said, People saw you speaking to him. Said, I don't know what you're talking about. So he got angry, he kicked him, and he died from it. This is... This is Giving people a good eye. He did not give them. And that caused his downfall. That's right. So continues the Yerushalmi. Um, um, say, say Chazal. Miyad Yotas Baskol. Immediately a heavenly voice came out and said... Hadi, uh, basically the, the, the hand of this person uh, should dry up, right? He shouldn't be able to lift a sword, etc., etc., right? Um, uh, his right eye should uh, not be able to see, etc., right? Because he took away the, the right hand of the Jewish people, he took away the, the eye of the Jewish people, Etc., etc., right? By killing Rabbi Lazar Hamadoy. Miyad Milka the Betar. Betar was immediately conquered. And when Betar was conquered and Bar Kokhba was killed, so Adrianus said, Who 
He says that he wanted bring to me bring to me the the body of Bar Kokhba. So they brought to him the body. He said, he said, who who could have killed this man? This you know such a powerful who could have killed him? So so the Kushi said, I killed him. So Adrianus said, wait, open up the open up the his body. They opened it up and they found that he'd been torn apart by a snake prior to this. He'd been debowed. Uh, his bowels had been torn open by, 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 a, by a serpent. I think it's obvious that the Bardaroma of the Bavli is Bar Kokhba. Okay? And the jumping a mill and killing and jumping away, he wasn't... He wasn't a long-distance jumper, I'm sorry to say, right? It means the raids, the raids that they were doing, that the Romans couldn't respond. And Caesar was actually on his way out. That means that Barkov, when he threw the Romans out, he actually threw them out of the country. But what did they do when they threw them out? Did they say thanks to Hashem? Then the Romans wouldn't have come back with eight legions. Instead, what did they do? They celebrated. Look how strong we are. Right? Look at us. So then what do you think the Romans responded? Well, okay, oh, look at you. Look how strong you are. So he came back with eight legions. Right? And obviously it's all from the... Pumi, Marshale, his mouth tripped him up, right? That, that instead of seeing the world deeply, understanding that Hashem is behind everything, any successes I have is from Hashem. Instead of that, he saw it superficially. Hashem, you stay out of it. We'll take care of it. And that's why the snake killed him really with the... Spiritual forces that killed them. Um, hopefully, we can all work on Ein Tov, and uh, we will be having Shurim on Tishabov. So what, keep an eye out for that. Um, after Chapsos, we'll be having Shurim here to try to make the most of this. Okay. Okay.